Well, thank you for staying, because when I walked in and the meeting went, it was like the Titanic, wasn't it, with everybody? Um, yeah, opera. It's, it's really weird when you mention the word opera to people. Um, it's, it's a bit like Marmite. You know, some people say, well, that's just for posh people, or it's expensive, or whatever. And others, oh, I don't like opera, it's in a foreign language. And it's not what opera's about. Opera... When it started about 400 years ago, yes, it was performed in palaces and it was only performed there because they had these extravagant plays and in the plays that went on for hours and hours and hours, they had musical interludes. People started to enjoy the musical interludes more than the plays and it grew and grew until eventually a chap called Perry uh, wrote a complete story to music. From then... It became so popular, and this is the big thing, that some people said, this shouldn't just be performed in palaces. This is something that everyone should be able to attend. It should be for the people. And that's when commercial opera started in Italy. Funnily enough, the first place that it went to after Italy was Poland. You wouldn't automatically think probably Germany, France, whatever, but no, just because there was a... a nobleman that was in Italy, loved opera, and he took opera to Poland, and that's where the first female composer actually uh, had a work written. Now, opera can be funny. There are loads of comic operas. There are political operas. But there are also operas that just tell a story straightforward, and this is where we come from. We've worked for, we've, how long have we been working now, Bridget? Was, well, we started off as Opera Box. 1989. 1989 as Opera Box. We're both trained singers. Um, and we set up this company and we used to do opera outdoors. We did it at Stately Homes, English Heritage, Cadu, all that. Um, and you'll be surprised the amount of people that come to open air opera that probably wouldn't go to a theatre. And I think a lot of that is because they feel there's some sort of etiquette that they don't understand. Well, opera in theatres, honestly, it's quite relaxed these days. You don't have to go in your best bib and tucker and bow tie and everything. Uh, you can if you wish. But outdoor opera, I think, has brought in a lot of uh, people to this art form. From there, <coughs> we were, Swansea approached us and said, look, would, we'll give you a bit of funding on condition you change your name from Opera Box to Swansea City Opera. So you never get anything for nothing. So we became Swansea City Opera. The sort of work that we've done is not just putting on operas. We get opera to places where the people who love opera can't even afford to go to an opera theatre. So we've performed in churches, we've performed in halls, we've performed in proper theatres. We were the first opera company ever to put on an opera at the Hackney Empire uh, many years ago. And the queues were all the way around the, around the street because this is new. We've introduced opera to a lot of people. We've actually written operas before. We've worked with people who are homeless. We produced an opera um, about travel and we worked there with a group of people that were 
homeless in Swansea. We also performed uh, and wrote a piece for, um, for other, other people throughout. That one was performed at the Waterfront Museum and it was so, um, people loved it so much that it went then to the Senate because there were some of the politicians where they loved it and we had to redo it at the Senate in, uh, in Wales. We've worked abroad with different groups. Um, two years ago, we were out in Lebanon and we worked over there, we went over there four or five times and what that was to do is working on the refugee camps and on the camps over there, what we were doing was actually uh, recording, we trained people there to record their own um, society, what they do. There was things like needlework, cookery, dancing, art, and it's all of their own, uh, what would call it, um, their culture. So the whole thing was to get the culture recorded. And we were in a partnership with the American University of Beirut. And if you go onto their website, you will see a whole thing about Syrian Palestinian culture. And that's a project that we did so that it's not lost. Um, fantastic thing to do. So we've done all sorts, including an opera about the last deep pit to close in Wales, which was Tower Colliery. I don't know if any of you ever remember Tower Colliery, Heseltine, all of those people in those days. Well, um, it was the first colliery to be bought out by the, um, the management wanted to buy it, but then the workers bought it from the management because the management wanted to sack all the workers and then bring them back on a lower pay scale. But the workers themselves with a chap called Tyrone O'Sullivan actually bought the place out. And we did a full scale opera. The composer was Alan Hodinot, one of the greatest um, com Welsh composers of, um, of recent times, who unfortunately passed away some years ago. Michael Owen wrote the libretto, that's the words. Um, he has won several, again, he's passed away, he won several BAFTAs. Um, so it can be political. What happened to us was there was a radio programme. And on the radio programme, I think it was a, an Australian chap telling, uh, uh, saying, talking about men's sheds. And Bridget looked at me and said, That's, this needs to be out there. More people need to know about men's sheds. How can we get men's sheds out there with what we do? Answer, let's write an opera. So the first thing we had to do was a, what we call a pilot project. The Arts Council wouldn't fund this project as a, as a whole project, but they said, what we'll do is funny if you just give us a snippet, a taster for the opera. Um, and then if it's successful, if you like what you're doing, we'll fund a full production. So we got together, we went around to several sheds um, with Robert here um, as our guide. He was our sheepdog um, in Wales. And we went around to several sheds and we recorded the stories of these people. Now, the stories themselves, we told them right from the start, when we're recording, no, your names will not be mentioned. Not only that, we will mix the stories up. So although we've got the stories, they're actual stories, we mix them in so that a fictitious person may have several strands from several people's different um, experiences. So this is the way we've gone about it. On top of that, when you talk to someone about 
Well, it's an opera about men's sheds. First thing is, what's men's sheds? Is this just the bottom of somebody's garden? No. And then you explain men's sheds and they say, well, well, it sounds as if it's going to be a bit of a miserable evening, doesn't it? <laughs> the thing is, and the big revelation was that when you're in the sheds and these people are together, it's fun. They can just relate to each other. No one, there's no real hierarchy. They're all equal, all talking to each other. And the thing that Robert said to us right at the beginning was that men talk to each other shoulder to shoulder, not face to face, whilst they're working. Hence the title, Shoulder to Shoulder. So that's where we've got the title from. I've been collating the stories uh, and writing what, the libretto. Now, when you write a libretto, there's obviously got to be a, a thread, a story through that. So what I've done is created a story within the story. So what I've got is a relationship. Um, it's not going to kill the opera if you go and see it. Um, between a father and a daughter. And because of the unfortunate incidents that's happened to the father, he's lost his wife, he's lost his son. Um, there's friction between the daughter and the father. He eventually, uh, through her, goes to men's sheds. And it's due to him going to men's sheds that actually repairs their relationship. So this is the sort of understory between the story. Now, what we're going to do now with this pilot, um, if we're all ready to go, uh, we had a composer, um, and he wrote a couple of pieces for us with the libretto, uh, but then unfortunately, through unforeseen circumstances, he's, he's now had to, had to pull out. We've now got a new composer, so we've had to start again, but the pilot was so successful that we have been given the funding from the Arts Council to complete the project. What you're going to hear now is a piece from the original um, composer that, that we had, a chap called Caradog, uh, Caradog Williams, and, and what it is, this, if you imagine, what you hear at the beginning is bashing and hammering. And what it is, it's the, the guys going into the shed. And then you'll hear this particular piece with the, with the men in the shed. So if we can do that, that would be grand.
So that was one of the pieces. The words are still there. We've got a new composer coming in who is at the moment working on re redoing, reworking that piece. But as you can see, what, what is the difference between a musical and an opera? Well, it's just a perception, really, of what's in the orchestra, how big it is, um, if there's dialogue. It's all different things. It's real crossover stuff going on at the moment, which is great. So is this going to be a musical or an opera? To be honest, as long as the quality is good, I couldn't care less. And as long as it gets the story out there. What we'll be doing at the performances is we're going to involve the sheds. This is of prime importance. How do we involve the sheds? Well, first, choruses. We've worked for many years with amateur choruses, and what we're hoping is that one or two people from the sheds will actually join in the choruses. How will we do that? When the music is written, we've worked with amateurs before, we put it on what's called the cloud, it goes to them, and they can listen to it and they can learn their own part individually, and then they will be fully rehearsed with the other people. Secondly, we need a scenery, a set. And the set, which I've been designing, uh, very simple, but it looks like a, a shed, a workshop. What do I want in there? I want the stuff in there that is made at the sheds. There's a fantastic Pinocchio downstairs that I saw, stuff like that. And Robert, we went round um, the other day, we were around the squirrels. They've got these sheep stools, things like that. I want to dress the whole stage with stuff that's being made by the sheds from different sheds. And at the end, of each performance, yes, they can sell it to the audience. So they'll be involved front of house. That means that when people are coming in, it's yes, can I look at your ticket? Where would you like to sit? They can do that sort of stuff if they would like to. There's programs to sell. So will there be program sellers? We'll need those. After the program sellers, they're selling their stuff. There's the involvement on stage. I actually want some volunteers, not many, uh, just to what we call dress the stage so that they'll just be moved around. I'll make sure one of our professional singers uh, again acts as a sheepdog so that they know where they've got to be at the right time. But they'll be, if they want to, they can be on stage as well. I want this involvement. The other thing is that the audience coming in, they have to be leafleted. They need to take away something, not just the program, they need to take away information about men's sheds that they can distribute to other people. So all of this is to try and progress the men's shed movement. Um, it's been a huge eye-opener to Bridget and myself at, at the good that this, that this movement does. It's fantastic. The, the people that I've met at, at the sheds and the stories that I've, that I've read. And whilst I've, yeah, I've been in tears just listening and writing. I can't believe what, what has happened to some of these people. But get them in a shed. Now, they're different people. It's fantastic. What I would like to do now, you know what our men's sheds is about, what the opera's about. We've got the performance dates that'll be up here. We're going to six places. 
One, of, one or two of them are actual theatres, but others we want to not just be in theatres, we want to get out into other places. So we've got, for instance, I mean, the Gouda Centre on Holyhead, that's a proper, that's a theatre, but the community hub, um, theater, Milford Haven is a theatre, but this community centre, another community centre, the studio a cappella for the premiere in Cardiff, it's a converted chapel in Cardiff, and they sell fantastic pizzas there as well. If any of you can get to any of these dates, please do come along, do support it, and any involvement you want. Now, for the last few minutes of this, me blethering on, have you got any questions? Anything you'd like to know? Yes. How about going national? Yes. I think that is what we would like to do. The, the, it's not a problem, but what has happened at the moment, this is funded by the Welsh Arts Council. That's the difference. So it has to be in Wales. Once it's up and running, I would really love this to roll out through the whole of the UK. Um, I'd like to have it filmed. The Men's Shed movement started in Australia. Wouldn't it be fantastic to do this and then send that film over to the Aussies and say, look what we've done. Why don't you do it? Get, get, on, get on to this and do it in Australia. Do it in other countries. I don't want this just to be, this is mine, it's Welsh, it's mine. No, I want you to get out there. So yeah, the answer is yes. And will there be a, a video of this that we can take around with us as our messages? Yep. It's something that we could, we could propagate well, out as well. Well, I would love to do that. I will tell you, um, it's being a professional, I have to tell you the, the one or two glitches with that as an idea. It, PRS, yeah. right? So there's the PRS. We have to have all the singers, they're professional singers, the musicians involved of professional musicians. All of that, it has to be contracted. They have to be paid for the job. Um, to do the, the performances in England or Scotland or Ireland, wherever, uh, again, it's, it's a different pot of funding, which once we're on the road with this, we can revive it at a later date and we could then roll it out in other places. Yeah. I'm a member of the University of the Third Age. Fantastic. Would the, would, would the same um, uh, copyrights and all that apply if the University of the Third Age took it on? Um, I think just to have it recorded, you'd have to pay the singers and the orchestra at least. But if you said it wasn't going to be commercially sold, then they would say fine. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. But even though it's not being sold as a commercial product, they still have to be paid for the recording time and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. If we can get the funding, we can do anything. It's just convincing the right people and making this project so good that they can't refuse it. Yes? Yeah, you're sort of along the same lines as what that gentleman was saying. I'm English, I'm from Birmingham, I live in Wiltshire. Luckily, I'm married to a Welsh woman from Merthyr Tidbill. So I actually understand where you're coming from. The issue was listening to that, it was very Welshy. Um... <laughs> no, I, and I can, I, there's a story. That's right. We, well, not only that, we could do it with a Birmingham accent. How would that be? <laughs> well, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, 
the thing is, this is, was really strange. Robert was there when we recorded this. Um, they're all Welsh singers. When they're taught to sing, and they're all Welsh speakers, when they're taught to sing, they're taught to sing with an English accent. Do you know how hard we had to work with them to get them to actually sing with a Welsh accent? Yeah, so we... Exactly. So what we had to do is work with them. They said, well, how do I, how do I sing that? Because the, the, when you're singing in, in opera or whatever, the, the vowel sounds are really important. And once you start squeezing these vowels in a different way, the voice comes out in a different way. It's all part of singing technique. So once they've sung in a, in a way that we should, in inverted commas, be correct, we then had to say, no, I want to do that with a Welsh accent. How do I do that? They could speak it with a Welsh accent. They couldn't sing. We had to work for it, didn't we? And it was really funny. We had a really good laugh while they were trying to get this Welsh accent. So, yeah, I take on board exactly what you're talking about. The idea is it is shoulder to shoulder, but it's, it's Mensheds Cymru. We've got to get the piece composed yet. The, the chap who's... Um, Lenny is... Um, Lenny Sayers is composing now. Um, he's a clarinet... Is he a clarinetist? He's a clarinetist in the BBC Welsh Orchestra, uh, but he's done quite a lot of composition and he's working with us at the moment. Um, doing what you said, great, but it, it needs to be composed first. Um, we can't send this out because he's no longer the composer, um, so therefore there might be, might be problems there. Any other, any other questions? Are these singers moonlighting from the WNO? Where, where are they coming from? No, they're freelancers. freelancers. So a lot of singers are freelance um, singers, so you get the jobs when you can get the jobs. Uh, but these singers that you heard there are already contracted for the dates. They're already contracted for uh, the rehearsal period, and so they're, they're all buttoned, buttoned down, and including the musicians. The musicians, there's only going to be about uh, four, is it four? There are going to be four musicians in, the, in the, what we call, call the pit. Um, but uh, there's going to be a keyboard, a clarinet, a cello, cello and percussion with weird percussion instruments. There's loads of weird stuff and the percussion and stuff. It did sound amazing during it. I mean, I had goosebumps. We, it was in the a cappella studio. This is the other thing that people, people don't quite understand, people who are not familiar with, with opera. Opera is actually fun. It's fun to be in it. It's like any team sport. You're in there, you're working for each other. And that's the, the great thing. But with opera, it's not just you know, an orchestra. They all work for each other. They know what they've got to do, don't want to let anyone down. You've got then choirs. They don't want to let each other down. You've got scenery. You've got lighting. Then you've got the main singers that are doing ensemble stuff. But they all have to not let each other down. It's a complete team. That's what the word opera is about. That's what it means, is that it's just a complete art form. It's, it brings in all the other art for, forms together. Shall I give them a demo? sentimento. There you are, that's enough. But that's, it's just work. We've, with Swansea City Opera, we're quite open, just get in touch or get in touch through Robert and it'll come to us and any ideas, great ideas uh, and help, just let's get it, 
get it together and make this project work. Thank you ever so much for inviting me along and Bridget along to have a chat with you. Uh, and I think the jobs that the Men's Shed movement is just too good to miss. It's fantastic. Thank you all ever so much. Thank you.